Curiosities. This evening we have two tales for your pleasure, but first, a bit of business. We'll be taking short story submissions now until October the 31st of this year, and if you happen to be listening to this at some point in the future, please note that the year happens to be 2017. For further information, please find the submission page on our homepage, gallerycurious.com, or send an electronic letter to me personally at curiousgallery at gmail.com, and I'll have my mailboy answer you forthwith. Please do not send submissions outside of the designated window of September and October, as they will be deleted unread. I do, however, applaud your enthusiasm. Now, tonight's stories are about abandoned things. So many of the objects in my collection are abandoned. Some are quite ancient, and it would be rather alarming if their owners were still around to collect. Our first story comes to us from Laura E. Price. It will be read for us by Miss Sarah Heiner, a proud resident of the flyover land of Minnesota, where she resides with more books than she knows what to do with. Safe as Houses by Laura E. Price. There was a house where no one lived, that no one ever looked at when they went by. But I did. It seemed to straighten when I passed, though it didn't move because it is, of course, a house. If it were a person, I think it would have been fixing its tie, smoothing down its skirt, checking its hair in the mirror before turning to me, hopeful, bouncing, wild-eyed, and winsome as I approached. I watched it from the sidewalk as I went by, peering through the overgrown bushes that bordered its front yard, followed the lines of its roof and walls with my eyes. It whispered to me, waited for me, patient, waited always for me and for no one else. And one day, finally, I pushed through the front yard gate walked up the cracking path, and climbed the three brick stairs to the sagging porch, which dipped even further under my feet with an alarming creak. The door opened at my merest, slightest fingertip touch. I stepped inside, and here we are. The house keeps me safe from its ghosts, muffles their mutters and their screams, traps them in its rooms and in its walls with its rats. There are doors that I cannot open, yes. The corners do indeed hold deeper shadows than they ought. There are bones that the house can't hide, piled at the foot of the stairs. It is sorry that I have to see them. Up those stairs, at the end of a long hallway, there is a room with a rocking chair and a bed. It was made up but full of dust when I found it, 
It's mine now. The house feeds me what it can, sawdust and cobwebs and odd bits of fungus. It whispers to me when I pace its halls, when the pain in my stomach makes me cringe in my bed, when the shadows creep closer than usual. The house murmurs endearments, entreaties, warnings, and I do my best to heed them. It loves me, after all. It wants to keep me safe. Laura E. Price lives in Florida with her husband and son in a perfectly ordinary house. Her stories have appeared in Cicada, On Speck, Strange Horizons, Beneath Ceaseless Skies, and a forthcoming issue of Betwixt. You can find her blog at seldeny.wordpress.com. Our second story this evening is by Ms. Angela Enos. It will be read for us by Mr. Andrew McCurdy. Who let him out? The Automat's Automaton by Angela Enos. The mechanical man thought he must have been created in the automat. The only other person who had been present at his activation, when his copper and tin mind had whirred to life, had been Max. Dear, kind Max, who had been his friend and had entrusted the mechanical man with the keeping of his greatest masterpiece. A tributary tomb of ether-eaten treasures, he had called it once. Whatever that was. The mechanical man was not sure but he liked the way Max's words were as fantastical as his ideas. Max must have built him too, he figured. It made sense, because Max had built everything. It had been his job, and when it was finished, he had left. The automat had needed an automaton to keep things in order, so Max had invented one. He thought of things like that. Max had been good company. He had even named the automaton Otto. It was clever, Max had told Otto before christening him with machine oil. A good name. Otto didn't remember ever having left the automat. He wasn't even quite sure where it was located. Anywhere? Everywhere? Here? There were no windows, so he never knew for certain if it was day or night out. Night, Otto suspected. Always night. It was the feeling he had of being watched by stars, even if he couldn't see them. He had an idea of what stars should look like, but Otto wasn't really sure if he had ever actually seen them. When customers entered, it was through a revolving door, spinning brass and fog glass in the impression of night sneaking in with little puffs of dark air. Sometimes they left wet, icy footprints. Moments later, they tracked in freshly cut grass or sand, things that spoke of seasons and time passing, though with no particular orderliness. The customers rarely spoke, not to one another, and certainly not to Otto hidden away behind the machinery. The mechanical man operated behind the long banks of little glass doors 
unseen by patrons as they searched for just the right box to feed their coins into. When they found what they were looking for, or something close enough to it, they turned the tiny lever that opened the case. Otto waited until they left to open the back of the little glass box from the other side and fill it with something new. The automat never ran out of things to sell. That was the beauty of what it supplied. A woman in a snow-dusted coat bustled out through the revolving door hurriedly, exiting with a carpet bag of goods clutched tightly. She had been a good customer, emptying three whole compartments. From his dark, narrow alley behind the case, Otto carefully refilled the windows. A gold watch, a small barking dog, a locked diary without a key. People lost all kinds of things. This was where they ended up. Most of the compartments were small, because Max had known when he built the automat that small things were the most easily lost. Keys, wedding rings, subway tokens, eyeglasses. Most of the automat's contents could fit in the palm of a hand as easily as they slipped out of a pocket. These were the things that customers found easily, with sighs of relief and foolish, absent-minded grins. Simple, satisfying reunions. The larger items lived in huge glass cases, like exhibits at an aquarium. There was an entire biplane in the back of the automat that no one had ever had enough coins to retrieve. But the leather aviator helmet that had come separately sold to a sad-faced man long ago. From his observations, Otto had learned that the person who found the item wasn't always the same one who had lost it. It made him sad that the owner would never be reunited with their goods. But it was the way of things. Besides, he wasn't allowed to intervene. Then they would know he was there, and that was against Max's rules. Once, a smug-looking man had come into the automat with an empty briefcase and fat pockets overspilling with coins. He had fed hungry slots and turned levers in the aisle of lost homework until he had filled an entire briefcase with a century of misplaced arithmetic sums and Latin conjugations. He had left looking immensely satisfied. A young girl had come in by herself and browsed the hall of single pairs for hours, peering at loans, socks, and earrings, until choosing two mismatched gloves that had been left in the back of two different taxicabs in two different countries a hundred years apart. She bought a right and a left and scampered merrily out of the revolving doors. Sometimes unruly teenagers came into the automat with book bags and entertained themselves by feeding slugs into the slots of items they had no business trying to buy. Engraved cigarette cases, pill boxes, rusted knives from the bottom of wells. Otto had to lock the compartment doors from his side of the wall when this happened, but he also knew how to run a small electric current through the levers when the ruffians tried to turn them. He wasn't sure if Max would approve, but it felt right. There was one case that Otto never needed to lock. It defied all efforts customers made to open it. There was no coin of any denomination or nationality that would release the lever and open the little gilded door. It was labeled as the brain of a prominent scientist, but its secrets were forever hidden away behind the automat's window. Otto wondered if the scientist had lost her mind before or after it had been removed from her skull. Most of the time, customers kept their heads down and searched the cases with great intention. They had come looking for something specific. 
Sometimes they found it and wept. Other times they didn't, and they laughed with joy. The coins fell into little reservoirs that peppered Otto's side of the wall. He collected them in the same barrels that the lost things arrived in, nailing the lids on tight when they were full, and putting them back into the vast freight elevator that brought them to him. Otto didn't know where the elevator led or who delivered the barrels. Max hadn't ever told him, and he hadn't ever been taught to ask. Otto dusted the lost things when there were no customers, looking at them and wondering who they belonged to. Some of them confused him, like the smallest compartments that held dollhouse-sized bottles labeled with ideas that Otto wasn't equipped to understand. Potential. Innocence. Dreams. The one marked Hope was sticky with feathers. Otto avoided that one, the same as he did the organic material that occasionally turned up in the barrels, sloshing in formaldehyde. Hands. Teeth. Organs. These things spoiled quickly, even on beds of ice. The automat couldn't keep everything until it was found, even though it tried. There were limits to how long some things could be lost before they disappeared forever. Some things an owner must learn to live without. Otto did his best, but he couldn't stop time. He couldn't even tell what time it was. Night, he still thought. All was night. It felt like there were stars out. Angela Enos writes fiction and other oddities that have been published in Cast of Wonders, Flapper House, Visibility Fiction, Non-Binary Reviews, Alphanumeric, Bloodbond, and Body Parts Magazine. When not writing, she makes art and theater across the U.S. Well... Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this evening. Do come visit us next time at the Gallery of Curiosities. Gallery of Curiosities is produced under a Creative Commons International 4.0 non-commercial attribution no derivatives license, which, as always, means don't sell it, change it, or make a transcript. Do leave us a comment, though, on Facebook, Patreon, WordPress, or Twitter, or write to us at curiousgallery at gmail.com and spill your guts. Our theme song, as always, is Ashes, Ashes by Deus Ex Vapora Machina. My chorus is Walking Along by Kevin MacLeod. This episode was released in July of 2017. Don't be fooled by the date of September on the package. For full show notes, visit us on the web at gallerycurious.com. You weren't aware we were taking submissions yet. Perhaps you should be following us on Twitter and Facebook.